Okay, so we were, we had been speaking about the attachment emerging of nefesh and guf. The fact that the nefesh gives life to the guf, the nefesh is ruchnius, the soul is ruchnius. The gulf, the body is gashmius, it's physical. And it doesn't make sense that the ruchnis, the kenefesh, spiritual nefesh, gives life to physical gulf. It's impossible to happen. They're bein arreich, they're infinitely distant from each other. It can't happen such a thing. But it does. And that's a miracle. And that's what we say, mafli lasais. We say in the bracha, bochata Hashem, reichu was mafli lasais. It's a miracle where Hashem attaches the nefesh, ruchni, to the guf gashmi, the spiritual soul to the physical body. That's a miracle, which we acknowledge every day. But we discuss that there's a difference between the nefesh hachiyunis and the nefesh lakis. Nefesh HaChiyunis is another word of the Nefesh HaBamis. Nefesh HaChiyunis is the Nefesh that gives life to the body. It goes into the blood of the person and it gives life to the person. So that's one miracle where the Nefesh HaChiyunis goes into the goof to give it life. But then there's even a greater miracle when it comes to the Neshama of a yid, which is chelik elika mimal mamish. The neshama of a yid is a lakus, it's godliness. And an official lakis, which is godly, should become one with the goof, which is physical, that's even a greater miracle. So let's for a moment discuss what I just said. Let, let's go, let's dig into this a little bit more. We have uh, certain words which sound similar, but they might be very different. So there's a word, gashmius. That's a word which is very basic, it's easy to understand. Ruchnius, that's another word, ruchnius. Okay, what's that? It's not too easy to understand, ruchnius. Now, then there's another word, which is elikus, which means godliness, elikus, godliness. So you have gashmias, ruchnias, and elikus. So the question would be, is it true to say that ruchnias and elikus are the same thing? Is Ruchnius and Olokos the same thing? Or is it different? So, in fact, Ruchnius, there's many levels of Ruchnius, but Ruchnius does not have to be Olokos. Not necessarily. You could have Ruchnius 
which is not Gashmias, but neither is it a Lakus. So we got to define now what does a Lakus mean and what does Luchnias mean. Gashmias, we have to define less. We're very familiar with that. But Luchnias, we have to define more, we have to define Lakus. That's right, that's another issue, that's right. It's also important, right? So we have to understand what a lakus means. Godliness, what does that mean? And what does ruchnius mean? So the, the concept of, uh, let's start with ruchnius. Ruchnius versus gashmius. So just the basic understanding is that gashmius is something tangible that you could grasp with your fingers, okay? That's Gashmias. But not just with your fingers, you could grasp something which you could grasp in different ways. That's Gashmias. Ruchnius is something which you can't grasp. Okay, so then we get to something delicate, such as Seichel, intelligence, logic, Okay, logic, is it Gashmias or is it Ruchnias? Huh? You say it's Gashmias. Okay? Seichel. Logic, Gashmias or Ruchnias? Ruchnias. Okay, Gashmias, Ruchnias. Again, do you hear the question? Logic is Gashmias or Ruchnias? Huh? What do you think? Depends on the person. Depends on the person, okay. <laughs> you could argue it's eloquence also. Okay. okay. So we have all different opinions. Now, um, Seichel, according to the definition I just gave about Gashmias, the definition was you could grasp it. If you could grasp it, it's Gashmias. So logic, could you grasp logic? I should hope so, right? If you could grasp logic, then it's Gashmias. It's true, you're not grasping it with your fingers. That's true. But you're grasping it with the fingers of your brains. Just like your hand has fingers to grasp a physical item, your brain has f- fingers in a, in, in, a, in a more refined way to grasp logic. So if that's our definition of Gashmius and Ruchnius, then logic is Gashmius. Not the same Gashmius as a rock, as a wood, right? But it's still Gashmius. Then what's Ruchnius? Something you cannot grasp. That's Ruchnius. There's certain things you can't grasp. That's Ruchnius. Okay. Now... This grasp will relate to Dina or to God? I don't know. It relates to grasping. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. But we're, 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 and you also mentioned Sangat Chachma, but not, not right now. Mm-hmm. Now, if we define the word elikus, godliness, godliness would mean. What would godliness mean? Lakus is something which 
which recognizes and accepts Hashem. That's Al-Kus. You recognize and you accept Hashem. But Al-Kus is more than that. It's more than just recognizing and accepting Hashem. Al-Kus is the recognition that there's only Hashem. Okay, that's Al-Kus. To recognize there's only Hashem. Okay, so imagine you have a person that uses brains and figures out Hashem Echad, figures out there's only Hashem. So would you say this person is a Lakus? If you ask him, he'll tell you, there's only Hashem. How do you know? I thought about it, I understand it, I'm convinced, I'll convince you. Is that a Lakus? Why not? Grasped, okay, okay. But in addition to that, there's another problem. As soon as a person says, I understand there's only Hashem. It's limited to his understanding. It's limited to his understanding. And it's a contradiction. I. Right. I. I understand. What what do I understand? That there's only Hashem. Oh really? Then then what's why did you say I? Okay. If you understand there's only Hashem, yeah, so you understand that there's only Hashem and nothing else and not me, then why are you saying I understand? That's not a lakus. A lakus is a level where the perception is there's only Hashem to the exclusion of, of me. There's no me either. That's a lakus. Let's take an example of that. It said, no. Right. There's a way to say that. Uh, there's a way to say it. To say what? Meaning the words itself uh, limited. How can I say there's only a shame? What oh. I'm saying is... Uh, okay, okay. So we're, we're going to give an example for this. So don't say it. Okay? <laughs> we're talking about a real level. Right? How could you have such a real level? Okay? How could you have a level? It's not about the words. It's about the level that you feel. The reason you say I love Hashem is because you really feel that I love Hashem or I recognize Hashem. I know there's only Hashem. Why are you saying the words I? Because you feel I, I feel myself, and what do I understand? There's only Hashem. Okay? So it's not just the word, it's the level. So let's give an example of... Good morning, good morning. Oh, you know each other? <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's give an example for this. The example is Merkava. Okay, what does Merkava mean? Chariot. Chariot, okay. So what does Merkava mean? What's the chariot we're talking about? What's Merkava? Someone who's completely... Oh, oh, right, right. So we have Merkava of the Ovois, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They were called the Merkava, the chariot. Now, the origin of Merkava is uh, different uh, visions that certain Nevi'im prophets had where they saw the Merkava in the upper worlds, so to speak, where there were angels, 
that were completely devoted to Hashem to the extent that they're called the Merkava. Merkava means you have a wagon, you have a horse, you have a wagon driver, and who's the one that decides where to go, what to go? The driver. The driver decides. The horse says, I'm, I, I object. I'm not going. No such thing. There's no objections. You just do. You just follow. Follow orders. That's Merkava. Merkava displays a certain degree of bitl. Bitl means that you just do what you're told. No one's asking you. That's bitl. So you have Merkava of angels, Malachim, which means a deep dedication to Hashem. And then you have the Merkava of the Ovis, of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They were known as a Merkava to Hashem, a chariot to Hashem. Now, by the way, which Merkava is a... <coughs> Higher level, the Merkava of the angels or the Merkava of the Avos, which is higher? Obvious. The Avos, that's a higher level. So you have Avos, Mitzvah, and Yaakov, and they are Merkava to Hashem. Why, why it's higher? Huh? Why the Merkava is higher? Why it's higher? What, yeah. Why it's higher? Mm-hmm. Who said it's higher? Why did you say it's higher? Because it's harder. Why did you say it's higher? Malachim don't have a choice. That's, oh. like, that's like a real... Uh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Okay, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. But, but it's more than that. It's yes. in addition to that, okay? Again, Merkava means bitl, right? Bitl. So, um, there's Sorry. different... Sorry, no? I always thought and listened that uh, Abraham... He gets to the conclusion that Hashem exists. And it's everything. It was like a logic, a conclusion. And therefore your question is... So why is higher? Why higher? Uh, no, what okay. you're saying, it sounds like Avon Avinu was actually saying, I understand yeah. that it's only Hashem. Okay, that's an important question. Very important question. So let's talk about this. It's a very important uh, topic that we need to understand. Many people think, and it's a mistake, but a lot of people think that when they speak, think about Avram Avinu, so they say Avram Avinu introduced to the world, what's that called, monotheism, there's only one God, Avram Avinu is the one who introduced it, you know, 3,000 years ago, right? That was the Chiddush of Avram. He introduced to the world one God. Right? That, that's what people understand, right? And it's true, but it's much deeper than that. What's deeper than that is that um, what Avram Avinu actually discovered wasn't just that there's one God and not two, not three. He discovered Achdus Hashem. Achdus Hashem. You know, every day we say, Twice a day, more than twice a day, we say, Hashem Echad, Achdus Hashem, Hashem Echad. What does Hashem Echad mean? You know, when we say Hashem Echad, we cover, you know, we close our eyes and we cover it. It's a double covering, right? Close your eyes so you can't see. But we're worried you might peek, so, you know, you cover, you cover with your hands. So open your eyes. No, but you might, you know, you make sure it's really closed. 
And what do you say, Hashem Echad? So what are you thinking among the Hashem Echad? There's only one God. What are you trying to say? Like, you know, what are you trying to negate? There's no two gods. For that, you have to close your eyes. Leave your eyes open. You have to focus and concentrate? Like, you have to convince yourself there's one God and not two? Well, what's, what's the big... What are you screaming, Hashem Echad? Like, what are you trying to say? Hashem Echad doesn't just mean that there's one God and not two. Hashem Echad is much deeper. Achdus Hashem means there's only Hashem. That's Achdus Hashem. There's nothing besides Hashem. Ein oid there's nothing besides Hashem. That's Achdus Hashem. There's the Echad, the Aleph, the Ches, the Dalet, Echad, right? Aleph, Ches, Dalet. Dalet stands for, Dalet is four. Four corners, four, right? And Ches stands for, right? Up and down, right? So, and Aleph stands for? What? Hashem. Hashem, right? So the Ches and the Dalet are part of the Aleph. It's part of Achdus Hashem. There's only Hashem, nothing else exists. And for that, you have to close your eyes. And for that, you have to cover your eyes because that you have to focus on. That there's only Achdus Hashem, nothing else. You can't see that through your eyes. Right, right. You can't see that, that's right. So keep your eyes closed, right? Exactly. If you open your eyes, it's hard to say Hashem Echad because I see everything. Achdus Hashem is the recognition there's only Hashem. Okay? That's Achdus Hashem. So, Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu discovered Hashem. What did he discover? So, the basic understanding was he discovered there's only one Hashem and not idolatry. But no, it was much deeper than that. He discovered Achdus Hashem. Achdus Hashem means there's only Hashem and nothing else. That's what he discovered. And this is indicated in a medrash. The Medrash gives a, a, a muscle, an analogy to this, to what Avon Avinu is doing. So it says like this, Avon saw a palace, that's the muscle. Someone sees a palace, you know, so many rooms, so many parts, and you look at the palace and you ask, does this palace have an owner? Is there a boss over here? And you conclude there must be. It couldn't have happened by itself. There must be someone owning this. Someone that built it and owns it. It must be. Then the message continues. Someone opens the window, sticks his head out, and he says, I'm the boss. That's the muscle of the medrash. So if you analyze this muscle, you'll see these two steps. Two steps. Okay, step one is, Avamina recognizes this. There's an owner. To the palace, there's an owner to the world. There's Hashem, he knows that. But that's only how, to the extent of a human being recognizing that there's an owner to the world. But then the owner opens the window and says, let me appear to you. Hashem says, now let me appear to you. And that's a very big difference. It's very different when Avraham Avinu discovers Hashem or Hashem exposing himself to Avraham. It's not the same thing. When he discovers Hashem, he knows there's Hashem. Okay? But he knows there's Hashem. Right? He understands there's Hashem. So number one, it's limited. How much could you understand? Our brains are very small. So it's limited. 
And there's I understand Hashem. There's still an I. But then Hashem exposes himself, reveals himself to Avon. At that point, the recognition of Hashem is not limited to the mental capacity of a human being of Avon It now goes according to what Hashem chooses to reveal. And what does Hashem reveal to Avraham? Achdus Hashem, that there's only Hashem, nothing but Hashem. That was the real achievement of Avraham. And by the way, this answers a question which the commentaries struggle with. We have different medrashim discussing at what age did Avraham find Hashem? So there are some medrashim that say when he was three years old. There's some medrashim that say when he was 40 years old. Okay? So the Rambam brings the medrash that he was 40 years old. And one of the commentaries, the Ravid says, no, he was three years old. Different medrashim. So one of the ways of resolving it is when he was three years old, he was thinking, who's the creator? And he figured out that there's a creator to the world. Then when he was 40, Hashem revealed himself to him. Okay, different stages. Didn't happen necessarily at the same time. But the real chiddush of Avraham, the real novelty of Avraham is not that he discovered there's one God. That's like, that's the beginning. What he really discovered is achdus Hashem. Achdus means to the exclusion of anything, including myself. That was the recognition of Avraham Avinu, and that's why he's called a Merkava. Merkava means he's completely bottled to Hashem, where there's no I. There's no I. So imagine you interview Avram Avinu. Give him an interview. Okay, the newspaper, you know, Avram Avinu, we hear you're the founder of monotheism. So what's your approach to God? So Avram says, what did you say? Your, did you say your approach? I don't know what that means. You know, you're trying to tell me, I, I, you want I should tell you my approach to Hashem? I can't talk, I, I don't talk that way. I, I don't know what you're talking about. So, so what do you have to say about Hashem? There's only Hashem. What else is there to say? What's there to discuss? There's only Hashem. What do you mean, what is there to say about Hashem? If you ask, I mean, what is there to say about the world? You would say, oh, we got to think about that. What, what, what kind of world is there? But Hashem, that's a given. That's like obvious. Now, this, this reality of, of Achdus Hashem, there's only Hashem, Merkava, this bitum. It's not just an awareness. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. There's some direct result which comes from this recognition of Achdus Hashem. It affects, it impacts our Avodus Hashem. Which part of our Avodus Hashem is directly linked to Achdus Hashem? Tefillah. Huh? Tefillah. Tefillah, okay. What else? Mesiras Nefesh. You're about to say it, I beat you. Okay. Mesiras Nefesh. Okay. Now, Mesiras Nefesh is all about Achdus Hashem. It's from Achdus Hashem. It's part of Achdus Hashem. That's, that's Mesiras Nefesh. Mesiras Nefesh means a Yid gives up his life for Hashem. How does he give up his life? 
because he, exp- he realizes, he recognizes, there's only Hashem, there's no me. That's Mesiris Nefesh. Now, let's contrast that. If someone loves Hashem, loving Hashem, is that the same as Mesiras Nefesh? No, not necessarily. A person could love Hashem like this. I love Hashem. Okay? We discussed yesterday, there's a mitzvah of Haftas Hashem. You have to love Hashem. Okay, so how do you love Hashem? There's different methods of getting to love Hashem. Basically, you have to think about the greatness of Hashem. Okay? Then you have an emotional, passionate love to Hashem. When you love Hashem, the average love works like this. There's three words to that love. I love Hashem. Three words. I love Hashem. There's the I that loves Hashem. Okay? That's not the highest level of Achdus Hashem. That's good. But there's higher. That's not Mesiras Nefesh. Mesiras Nefesh means there's no... Mesiras Nefesh is not I am dying for Hashem. That's not Mesiras Nefesh. Mesiras Nefesh means there's only Hashem. Like, that's it. Life is only about Hashem. So therefore, whatever the results are, that's where the results. No? Probably. So, okay, I understand the answer uh, if someone asks that, uh, that question to Aramami. But what, what, what would be the answer if, for example, someone asked, uh, what's the feeling of Hashem? Like, which is a good answer. The feeling of Hashem? Yeah. What do you mean by that? But I don't want to say what do you feel about Hashem. So, the, the, like, how can we relate with the world without, like, in a practical way? What, what's the correct feeling? What's, uh, what should I say? What should I... Well... What's the approach? We're talking now about the reality of Hashem. Reality of Hashem is, there's only Hashem. There's nothing outside Hashem. Everything is Hashem. That's Achdus Hashem. Now, um, what that means to understand takes a lot of work. What that means to feel, the only feeling of Achdus Hashem is Mesiras Nefesh. That's the feeling. And Mesiras Nefesh is really basically saying it's not about my understanding, it's not even about my feelings, it's about Hashem. But that's Mesiris Nefesh. So, so if you're trying to figure out what kind of feeling is that, how do I relate to that? Well, number one, it's higher than feelings. If you're going to say, well, how do I understand that? Well, it's higher than understanding. Yeah, we have a mitzvah to understand as much as we can, right? But this is not something that's a feeling, you know. If you talk about food, there's a feeling. You know, this is about Achdus Hashem. So there's a mitzvah of loving Hashem, which in a lower level means, yeah, you feel Hashem, okay? But that's, I love Hashem. If you're talking about Merkava, the Ovois, that's a level of Mesiras Nefesh, where there's only Hashem. So you ask Avinu, what's your feeling about Hashem? Feeling about Hashem? It's like you're asking me, you know, understand? Hashem is above feelings, is above understanding. Hashem's reality is above all that. It's not about feelings. It's not about understanding. It's the reality of Hashem. It's a bit of a stubbornness. Stubbornness? Why are you calling it stubbornness? Because like, it's like, like, uh, no matter what, like, what do you mean? I'm a Jew. 
whatever this world is, I don't care. That's all it's Okay, okay. It's stubbornness and accepting reality. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You can still have the, the feelings about Hashem, but there's no partic- there's no specific feeling. It's like even even when you because it's ain't old milvado, even if you feel let's say you're having an unpleasant day or you're having a pleasant day and you, you feel you know, more uplifted as or um, or the opposite. You're you're still if you have a recognition of ain't old milvado, there's you you can still have that underlying kind of state of joy, in a sense, knowing that there's Hashem, and in that way, it's like a, a deeper feeling. And but, Hash, but from Hashem's perspective, it's, it's beyond the feelings. Well, there's different levels of perception of any mulvate. There's low levels and higher levels. It's not just one level. So again, Avram Avinu didn't just discover this one Hashem. He discovered Achdos Hashem. If he discovered Achtoz Hashem, that meant his life was the life of Mesiras Nefesh. That's what that meant. Mesiras Nefesh doesn't just mean a person dies for Hashem. Mesiras Nefesh could be a person living for Hashem, but in a state of Mesiras Nefesh. Mesiras Nefesh means it's not about me. Now, to further understand this, we have to realize what Mesiras Nefesh means. We have to explore what this means more. What's Mesiras Nefesh? Now, some people will say, well, there are suicide bombers. They're going to Messias Nefesh. Isn't that Messias Nefesh? They're such a high level. Right? They're dying for their cause. Complete Bito. Right? They're exploding themselves. Huh? What do you say about that? That's what I'm asking. Okay. I think there's a pasuk, So you need to hide. You need to leave for the so, so, so the truth is a, 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 a suicide bomber, right, is the opposite of Mesiros Nefesh. The opposite. Why is it the opposite? Because Mesiros Nefesh is all about not me. That's, that's real Mesiros Nefesh. It's not about me. The suicide bombers, it's all about yes me. They want to go to heaven and have what they brainwash them, what they're going to get in heaven. You know, if they die as a martyr, they'll get so much. So it's a business transaction they're doing. That's all they're doing. It's not, it's not bitter, it's business. You know, I'm investing, you know, something small. I'm getting so much big. That's all about me. So much me, I'm ready to kill other people. That's how, important, that's how important I am. That's how much I want. And I'm ready to kill myself because I want to gain another deal. That's the opposite of bitter. That's not bit, that's the opposite. That's all about me. You know, a person is climbing the, the Empire State Building. You know, they're, 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 they're cleaning the windows from the outside. And you look down, oh, it's dangerous, right? But, you know, and they might fall. I think someone just fell recently, you know, uh, a couple of months ago. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Just calm down, it's okay. I mean, no, no, nothing happened, okay? So this guy is cleaning the windows. He's cleaning the windows. So you say, look at the Messias Nefesh. Such a high level. Messias Nefesh. By him, money is so important, he's ready to endanger his life. That's all. That's not Messias Nefesh. That's all about me. Okay. But Messias Nefesh means it's nothing about me. It's all about Hashem. That's Messias Nefesh. If someone says, I'm going to die for Hashem to get Gan Eden, 
No, that's not Mesilas Nefesh. It's about me. Mesilas Nefesh means it's not about me. Not even my Gan Eden. I'm not doing it for Gan Eden. Why are you doing it? Why, why are you dying for Hashem? So you see in history, in Jewish history, in Golis, in exile, so many times you didn't die al Kiddush Hashem. So often. So if you would interview those people, you know, why are you doing this? Now, who the was the one of Mesilus Nefesh? It wasn't just tzaddikim, big scholars. It was ordinary yidin, men, women, children. They went to Mesilus Nefesh. Why? So you interview them. Why are you going to Mesilus Nefesh? So what are you going to hear? They're not going to say, oh, I want Ghanaian. They're not going to say that. Some of them don't even know what Ghanaian is. I've never heard of it, some of them. Like, well, nothing to do with that. Then why are you going to Mesilus Nefesh? You know what they're going to answer? They're going to answer like, how else? Like, like I don't understand what you, I understand what, where's the, uh, Satan says nefesh. Why are you calling yourself nefesh? You're making it sound like it's a big, what's a big achievement? How could, how could I reject Hashem? That's, that's Messiah's nefesh. How could I reject Hashem? <coughs> uh, th- there was a chassid called Blazonanus. He, he, he was 20 years in Siberia. Sabato, you ever read Sabato? You saw the book Sabato? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's from him. Different name. Yeah, the name they put uh, there is a different name. But it was a blazing honors. He, he, was, he was 20 years in Siberia. He went through a lot in his life. He saw the Rebbe Rasham, the of the Rebbe. Eventually he went out to Israel, to Yerushalayim. So uh, I once asked him, I once asked him, what was your trick? You know, 20 years in Siberia, and, and he never desecrated Chavez. Wow. Never desecrated. It's like this. I once says, said it over. I, I, I met a Russian yid years ago. I asked him, Did you eat Saboto? You know, he never does good job. He says, It's impossible. Can't be such a thing. So I asked him, How did, how did he do that? So I expected from him some really profound answer. You know, some trick, something that he realized. Some, and and he, he was very intelligent, extremely intelligent. Very intelligent. I asked, I wanted to get, so he looked at me like, he gave me like a look, like, a, like what kind of foolish question are you asking? You know, you know, he says, what do you mean? I just wanted to be a yid, that's all. I wanted to be a yid. I don't understand, like, well, he didn't understand my question. He just wanted to be a yid, that's all. <laughs> there was no, nothing profound, it was very basic. So he went through terrible situations because I'm a yid. Wasn't, was not, he didn't think it was Mrs. Nevers. I asked other Russian Yudin that one thing was I asked them, like, how did you have a Mrs. Nefesh? They look at me, boy. What Mrs. Nefesh? What do you mean? You know, it was so difficult. You know, they, they speak a different language. It was not Mrs. Nefesh, just like, how else? How else? Like, what's the alternative? You know, Mrs. Nefesh would be like you have, let's say, wrong Mrs. Nefesh. You know, you have two choices to do one thing or another thing. You know what I'm going to choose? I'm going to choose Hashem. That's not Mesilus Nefesh. Mesilus Nefesh means the, the, the feeling of Mesilus Nefesh is there's no options over here. Like, what are you talking about? It's not Mesilus Nefesh. What's the option? No, there's no option. Not to serve Hashem. To desecrate Shabbos. That's even an option. It's not even an option. Why is it not an option? Because there's only Hashem. That's the hergish. That's the feeling of Mesilus Nefesh. There's only Hashem. That's real Mesilus Nefesh. In the United States, it's not as easy. Like we don't have oh. you know, gulags and 
Oh, oh. No. That's the greater level. I was going to say this earlier, but I'm glad I waited. It's the exact question. The Rebbe was talking to a senator, a Jewish senator. And he said that what we were forced to do before, meaning be more Jewish and be in our little bubbles and keep shot and like keep to ourselves and be able to do things away from everyone else, he said that's something that we now that we have the freedom to do, we should have, we should choose to do it. And doing that, choosing to do what we were forced to do before, is actually mysterious now. That's that's a greater, yeah. Because in a sense, it's not like forced. It's like. A, but, but the Rebbe once discussed in a Fabrengen how this applies to our life. And uh, the Rebbe said like this, what's Mesiras Nefesh? Mesiras Nefesh means that, uh, in Yiddish he said, Azoi, Azoi, Unishtantosh, which means this is the way it is and not different. Azoi, Azoi, this is the way it is. Mesiras Nefesh now lies with me where you develop the approach that there are no options. It's just Hashem. Let's say, for example, you have a test, okay? Uh, you have this ice cream, chalavakum, you know, you try to justify, you know, you, you know, you have a test, should I take it or shouldn't I take it? So instead of battling back and forth, I'll tell you why yes, I'll tell you why no, you know, you battle, so you just say, discussion is over before it begins. Mm. <laughs> There's no discussions, no, that's it. There's no discussions. You know, sometimes you have a, Hashem gives us tests. So you think back and forth, the pluses and the minuses, you know. It's like it says in Avis, a person should val, you know, measure the benefits of a mitzvah versus the losses. The benefits of an Aveira versus the loss of an Aveira. That's one approach. You, you measure it on a scale. Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Right? And you discover, nah, I shouldn't do this sin. It makes more sense not to do this sin. So I'm not going to do this sin. Okay? That's one way of not sinning. Right? Calculated. Serving Hashem. You calculate. It just makes sense. The other way is, why should we even discuss it? Why is there a back and forth? The answer is no. Before we do be in discussion, the answer is no. Let's go on with life. And likewise, when it comes to doing mitzvahs. Should I do this mitzvah? Shouldn't I do Let me think back and forth. What are you thinking about? There's no options. Of course you're doing it. Like, well, what, was, what was the question even? That's, a, that's an ability that we have from our neshama, from the depth of neshama, an ability to serve Hashem where it basically goes, no discussions. There was a word that came up years ago, which, which went like this, no negotiations with terrorists. You know, that used to be the policy. They changed it, you know, overnight. But, you know, no negotiations with terrorists. Right? Once you negotiate terrorists, it's no good. No negotiations. We got a terrorist inside ourselves. It's called the Yitzhak, right? So the policy is no negotiation with terrorists. Why are you negotiating? That's an example of Mesiras Nefesh, where you live for Hashem, but your way of serving Hashem is, like, there's no questions asked. Why is there even a question? So, so whenever a person is confronted with, you know, issues and avoid this Hashem, there's no back and forth. If you, if you activate the Mesir's nefesh, you say, that's just the way it is. You say to yourself, it's, this is just, I'm just doing what I have to put the to wants. There's no discussions. That's activating a deeper part of the neshama. That's Mesir's nefesh in our, in our lives. Why, why would it be Mesir's nefesh? Why specifically the nefesh? 
because we, when we talked about the different parts of the soul. Right? I don't know. Sometimes when we use the word soul, nefesh means different things. So when we say serious nefesh, giving up our, our our life. That that's what it means. So it kind of encompasses the every aspect, every level of our soul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay so again, Avram Avinu. If you want to speak about the achievement of Avram Avinu. Another way of saying it, he introduced Mesiras Nefesh to us. That's what he introduced, Mesiras Nefesh. No? I want to present, because I was a good question for me, because if we precise in the concept of Nefesh, Nefesh is intellect. So. No. Why not? We tell that. That's the Neshama. Ah. Nefesh is the highest physical body. Or Kabbalah, okay. okay. Okay, so Avram Avinu introduced Mesiras Nefesh. Now, how many tests did Avram Avinu have? Actually, how many? Ten, Ten tests. Right. I was so just going to say that it actually makes sense even more that it says Nefesh because when we talked about like Kabbalah Sol and it's like you're just committed to whatever Hashem wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean, I had 10 tests. What was the 10th test? Yeah, Kato. It was the 10th test. So we say every morning that when Hashem introduced the Akedo to Abraham, it says, What does it say in the beginning, huh? How does it start, Akedo? There's a word no. Right? Take your son. No. What's the word no? Please. So why is Hashem saying please? Please? Please, yeah. Like, thank you. Look in the English. in English. It says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Mistranslation. No is please. That's what no means, right? Huh? That's what the word no means. Please. Kach no. So why does Hashem have to say please? Let Hashem say, I'm commanding you, finished. What's the please? So Rashi says something interesting. You remember what Rashi says? Rashi says, I'm begging you, please pass the test. So they shouldn't say that the first test I gave you was nothing. So pass this test. No, please. I'm asking you, please. Okay, so, so the question here is, this was the 10th test. You know what the first test was? Huh? Uh, before that? Ul-Kazdim. Ul-Kazdim. What's Ul-Kazdim? He was thrown into the, right? You know, the, the king over the Nimrod. You know, he broke the Avedi Zorah. So he threw him into the fire. And Hashem made a miracle, he survived, right? That's all Kazdim. Now you have the 10th test, Akedah. And Hashem says, please. Why please? So people shouldn't say the first test, uh, you know, this is like the real test. Why is this the real test? The first test of Kazdim, that, that sounds pretty impressive. That's a good Mesil Snefesh, right? Why is that Akedah more? It sounds kind of interesting to how, um, like recently, what was it, last week in the Parsha, Sounds kind of like what Avram is telling, I mean, what Hashem is telling Avraham. Moshe is telling 
uh, God, remember when he was, you know, all the people are smitten for making a mistake, and he's like, come on, what will the Egyptians say? Yeah, yeah, okay. It's almost like he's right. kind of right. testing right. him. Yeah. So one of the explanations like this, the truth is that Ul-Kazdin, you know, was thrown to the fire. The truth is it was authentic Masingos Nefesh. That's the reality. But that was proven only after the Akedah. After the Akedah, that's when we discovered that Ulkazdin was a true, authentic Messiah's Nefesh. Without the Akedah, you wouldn't know if Ulkazdin, the fire, if it was authentic or not. And I'll explain you why. Okay? Try to imagine, you know, before I gave you the example of, you know, suicide bombers, right? That's not, that's not Messiah's Nefesh. That's the opposite, right? Imagine something else. Imagine someone dies for a cause. Let's say communist, someone is a communist, and he's ready to die for the idealism of communism. Okay? Someone is like into democracy. He's ready to die for democracy. Okay, for a cause. Okay. So is that Messias Nefesh? No. Uh, why not? Democracy has to gain democracy. Uh, right, because he has a goal, something that he believes in, that he understands, makes sense to him. And it's important to him to the extent he's ready to die for it. That's not Messias Nefesh. It's about my understanding about something. And it's important to me I'm ready to die for it. That's not Messias Nefesh. Messias Nefesh is when you give your life for Hashem and there's no calculations because there's no alternative, there's no options. Not you make a deliberate choice, this is important for me. That's not Messias Nefesh. Messias Nefesh means when it's not because something's important. There's only Hashem. That's Messias Nefesh. And that's the difference between the first test and the last test of Abba The first test could have been mistaken. If you are there, you can make a mistake and you say, why is Abba ready to die for Hashem? Because he's the one that taught the world about Hashem. And he's ready to die for that. So people... To make a Kiddush Hashem, people should know that, that he was really serious. Okay? So it could have been misunderstood as not a real Mesiras Nefesh. Not a real Kiddush Hashem. But when it came to the 10th test, the Akedah, you know what kind of test that was? Avram was about to slaughter Yitzchak. And who was watching? No who was watching? Just no, one. no one. Yeah. There was no one there. Right? It wasn't done publicly. I should, no one is there. Avram is privately drunk. And Avram is an older person. Who's going to be the successor of Avram? Yitzchak, all right? So the whole success of his revolution of Akhtas Hashem depends on Yitzchak. And no one is around. He goes with Yitzchak. He comes back alone if he, if he slaughters Yitzchak, right? So, so what are people going to say? Going to say, till now you taught us you don't slaughter people for sacrifices, which they used to do. You are against idolatry. You are against all that. And, and what, where's Yitzchak? Okay? So not only doesn't he have a successor, but it's going to be counterproductive. Everything he taught mm-hmm. is going to... So over here, this was real Messiah's nefesh. It wasn't even for a cause. The opposite. His cause would lose on the deal. And his wife killed... Right. So this test of the Akedah showed retroactively that the test of Ulkazdim was an authentic, that was real Messiah's Nefesh. 
So Avram Avinu introduced Mesiras Nefesh, he introduced Achdus Hashem, and this comes from which part of the Neshama? Yechida, exactly. That's from Yechida. Avmavino revealed the Yechida of a Yid. His Yechida, Yechida of a Yid. From Yechida you get Mesiras Nefesh. And from Yechida you get the recognition that there's only Hashem. Okay, now, everything we're discussing now has a uh, direct connection to Yud Beis Tammuz. When is Yud Beis Tammuz? Sunday night, Monday. Monday, yeah, okay. Yud Beis Yudimel Tammuz, 12th day of Tammuz and 13th day of Tammuz, is Chagagula of, who's Gula? Fidikarabim. And and all of us, right? That's what the Friedrich says exactly. Go for all of us, exactly. So the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe was imprisoned, a whole story, and he was freed. You'd base Tammuz, you'd give him Tammuz. 12th day of Tammuz, third Tammuz. Now, what was the background? What specific day? Because we say it's like two. Yeah, it was two days. Oh, it was two days, okay. It was two days. Well, we focus on the Yud base? Mm-hmm. Uh, we focus a little bit more on Yud base. Okay. But it's both, yeah. Can I ask something very little? Uh, yeah, yeah. What's the correct approach to people? This for ourselves. Like with Runeyefesh and whatever we do. Up with the other ones, for example. And someone give an opinion or whatever. What's the approach? What do you mean? Explain your question. Um, it seems like that it's very philosophical, these concepts. But in reality, when I'm discussing with someone, or talking with someone, or listening to someone, or whatever, with someone, you know, uh, then it's impossible not to think, right? Like, afterwards, after we understand this, it's impossible not to think, like, oh, it doesn't matter your opinion, because you are, uh, you are not with people, and Okay, you're asking as far as Achdus Hashem goes, if there's only Hashem, then what role do opinions play? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay, so it, the first question is not someone else's opinion. The first question is my own opinion. What role does my opinion have if there's only Hashem? Right, that's the first question. Then someone else's opinion. First, my opinion. How much does my opinion count? So, w- without getting to too many details, we spoke about before that when you say Shema, you know, you close your eyes, you cover, because you're saying, Ach, Hashem, there's only Hashem. But afterwards, we sneak in a sentence. In the middle of Shema, we sneak in a sentence. Mm-hmm. Which ne- what do we sneak in? Right? We sneak that in. Because in the Chumash, in the Chumash, it says Shema Yisrael, Hashem Echad, and afterward, Echad, what does it say in the Chumash? What's the word after Echad? That's in the Chumash. But we sneak in a, word, a sentence, that's what we sneak in. It's not in the Chumash. No, no. It's a whole history, how we got it, you know, how we stole it and how we took it, but we sneak it in. And we say it quietly, right? Boshim say quietly. you say louder. So why do we say Why do we say that for? Right, that's the origin. That's the origin, right? So why do we say it? It's like lower level of uh, unity. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. It's because 
the way Hashem created us is that He deliberately makes it in a way that we feel ourselves and we feel the world, right? We could know there's Achdus Hashem and deep, deep in our neshama we sense that, but that's deep, deep in our neshama. But uh, our reality, our perception, our feelings, our understanding is there's a table, there's a world. Yeah, I know there's a creator, but what we see, what we perceive is, is creation, right? Is reality. And not Hashem necessarily. That's our perception. So this perception, you could look at it as, as one way as saying false. Shekel, that's a lie. You got it all wrong. That's one way. The other way is, it's not a shekel. Hashem deliberately does that. He legitimizes it, that feeling. That's why he created the world. He created a world where not, av- not everyone is Avom, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Created a world where there's regular people like us and we feel ourselves and we have our desires, our understanding, right? That's not fake. Hashem is creating this. So our job is to connect our feelings to Hashem. That's our job. To connect to the, Not to say, my feelings don't count. Your feelings don't count. You know, they have this joke. Uh, there was two chassidim that were learning about Eloid Mulvandi. Nothing, only Hashem. So one went over to the other one and gave him a smack. And he says, Eloid Mulvandi, what are you complaining? There's only Hashem. So he gave him back and back. He said, I agree with you. It's only Hashem. No problem. You know? <laughs> Something like that. So, Bolshenk and Chosim Levad is saying, let's connect Achtus Hashem to the world. So we say the word Boruch. What does Boruch mean? Drawing down. Drawing down. Shame. The name. Kavod. Malchusai. Okay, so we're speaking about the Malchus of Hashem. That Malchus has a Kavod. It has a shame. These are all reflections. Down to the earth. We have to connect Hashem down to earth. That's what Hashem wants. So Hashem says to us, we have a double job in life. Double job. One job is, my understanding is important. My feelings are important. And let me connect that to Hashem. The other part of serving Hashem is the recognition Hashem is only Hashem. Now it seems like two opposites, but Jewish life is all about opposites. That's our life, that's our history. That's why Jews are so complicated, because our life is opposites. On one hand, Hashem Echad, just Hashem, but then, yeah, but you know, it is important what we think. It is, Hashem wants it to be important, right? How do you reconcile that? And by the way, changing the subject, you know, there's something called anti-Semitism, right? You heard of that, unfortunately, right? Without getting into details, why do they hate Yidin? It doesn't make sense. What do they have against Yidin? You know, there are billions of people in China, in China, that they never saw Yidin in their life. They hate Yidin. You never saw a Jew in your life. What do you hate Yidin for? So, without getting into details, the guide detects that a Yid is Achdus Hashem. A yid is Mesir's nefesh. A yid is not part of this world. 
That's the part of a yid where it's only Hashem. A yid, a guy detects that. And when a guy hates a yid, you know who he really hates? Hashem. Hates Hashem. That's really what's going on. A yid represents Hashem. And what's Hashem? Only Hashem to the exclusion of everything else, including the Chinese. So the Chinese, you know, the guy, <laughs> Judaism is not good for us. Because that's God. And God, deep down, they know there's something deeper, there's something higher. There's only Hashem. Not that they know that, not that they understand that, but it's only Hashem, which is a threat to them. A Yid could recognize there's only Hashem, and for Yid it's not a threat. When you tell a Yid, there's only Hashem, Hashem, after Hashem, a Yid says, wow, I, 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 that's true, I feel that, I know that, that's me. That's the identity of a Yid. A Yid is Yechida. A Yid could be comfortable with the thought there's only Hashem to the exclusion of me, that's a Yid. You know what the neshama of Yid is? Definition of neshama? Neshama is not me, Hashem. That's a neshama. If you interview the neshama to the depth, to Yechida, the depth. You know, what do you say? Who are you? Not me, Hashem. I don't understand what you're saying. Not me, Hashem. That's a Yid. Not me, Hashem. But, but the rest of creation doesn't have that. You know, it's either me or Hashem. If it's either me or Hashem, I'd rather have me and not Hashem. So I hate the Yid. You know, this is not directly, this is indirectly. And by the way, while on the subject, let's, let's speak about angels for a second, Malachim, right? Malachim, even though they, they serve Hashem, but they don't have Yechidah. They don't have Nevesh. A Malach can never really say, not me Hashem, the same way a Yid says that. Really? They could love Hashem and in different ways, in very high ways. But never will they reach a level of a yid where it's not me, just Hashem. That's only a yid. That's yichid. Is it because they never really have a Because meaning? they're a creation. Every creation, by definition, Hashem creates the angels. Every creation ah, is in existence. Yeah. A yid is a chilek Yeah. So Jewish life is a contradiction. One part of life, which is our essence, there's only Hashem. That's our reality. But then Hashem says... I want you should introduce that to the rest of the world, step by step, understand, you know, feel, and elevate that step by step. And that's how we connect the below to the above. Okay, we'll stop over here. Huh? Oh, Yudbeis Tamas, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole Yudbeis Tamas that we spoke about is all about Mesiras Nefesh. And the Rebbe speaks in many sikhs with the Mesiras Nefesh of the Friedrich Rebbe, and the Chizim then, it was such a Mesir's Nefesh, which was Yechida, which means that so often the Mesir's Nefesh didn't make sense. It was like a lost cause. It was hopeless. And yet they kept on having Mesir's Nefesh, and they succeeded in the Mesir's Nefesh, in building up, you know, Jewish schools and so on. So this was an example of Yechida. More to be discussed, but that's... Uh, right. Thanks right. for reminding me. Right.